Welcome to Grails, a podcast by Alton Insights. My name is John Tunger, and on today's episode, we are talking about a brand new type of asset class that can be fractionalized, and that is franchises. I'm joined by Kenny Rose, who's the CEO and founder of Franchares. They're currently building a wait list into their new product that lets you invest into a portfolio of franchises. So yeah, you think your typical food like McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, but you know, there's also a ton of other type of franchises from super cuts to trash picking up companies that are out there. And so Franchares is actually letting you invest in these franchises and share in the income that they make, their income generating assets, and so you get distribution checks from those. I'll throw you into the interview where Kenny starts talking about his background, but he really is an expert when it comes to franchises, uh, the economics behind them, the opportunities that are in them, and so you'll really learn a ton in this interview about a brand new world that you probably haven't explored too much of. So, an interview with Kenny Rose, let's get started. So I honestly never imagined myself being in the world of franchising once upon a time. I actually grew up in a little mountain town that didn't have chains at all. And um, <laughs> eventually in college, I stumbled into the world of finance and you know, heard about someone doing an internship at Merrill Lynch. And I'm like, what's Merrill Lynch? What is financial advising? And um, you know, I came from like a family of entrepreneurs. So I, I knew I wanted to run my own business, but you know, especially then there weren't really uh, majors to go into entrepreneurship. And even then I wouldn't trust it. So I uh, went and did a couple internships at Merrill, eventually worked there right out of college. And, uh, you know, when I was there, I, I was an advisor up in San Francisco. And this was the same time that the Greek economy was collapsing. And like oh. the economist in me was like, that shouldn't affect anything. Um, but then I'm seeing the market go haywire, portfolios are up or down. And this is my trial by fire to the introduction of headlines affect your, your retirement net worth, which was insane to me. Wow. And I also saw, you know, robo advisors were coming up and I just didn't really see the long-term vision of why people are going to need financial advisors. And so I started looking out different areas out there. I like to keep an open mind and family friend was the CEO of a company that coaches CEO. So I'm like, Oh, great person to talk to about my next career step. And, uh, I was, I was very thrown off when he's like, what do you know about franchising? I'm like franchising, I don't know, like McDonald's, Subway, Wendy's. I'm like, what, what do you know about franchising? He's like, oh, my company's a franchise. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. There's a franchise for coaching CEOs. He's like, there's franchises for everything. And I, I'm just, all alarms are going off. I'm like, wow, that's such a big name to not that know that much about. And right. so it's like, if you were just introduced to real estate and you're like, oh, I've heard about condos. They're like, no, there's commercial, there's single family homes, there's all these things. Like, what do you mean? And um, so he introduced me to uh, the franchise brokerage world. So it's kind of like being a realtor for franchising. Some people are trying to leave the corporate world and they want some uh, predictability in owning a business. And some people just want like a side investment. They want to build another income stream. And so I'd help them by educating them in franchising, recommending specific fits and then coach them through the research process until they found their franchise. And uh, I, I joined this large company. They had 120 offices worldwide. So it's funny. It's an industry few people have heard of, yet it's 30 years old and uh, just a lot going on there. But I eventually got to the point where every convention I'm going to, they're doing seminars on stuff I came up with. 
They literally pulled my emails, threw them in the training manual, and uh, I'm even a co-author on an Amazon bestseller that I don't get royalties for. So wow. I kind of got to this point of like, hey, I think I'm helping you out more than you're helping me. Like, next step. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so that's crazy. And it is so true. It's like on Twitter, right? You get the real estate. You get the sweaty startup, uh, you know, buy – a storage facility or laundry mat, right? But you don't really hear mm-hmm. people talking about franchises. It it is something that is like like when going and buying a franchise is extremely profitable. Why why is it that people don't like talking about that when it's, it seems like a no brainer? On I, I call it the F word of business ownership because like you look at it and like as soon as you hear the word franchise, your mind immediately just like glazes over and you're like, ah, oh, that's like working at a counter at McDonald's. But right. there's just so much more to it. And so, like, that's what I discovered in doing all of this. And so, you know, I got to this point with that company where I'm like, hey, I, I need to go spread my wings a little bit. And I started my own brokerage company called Semfia and had a big focus on uh, educational content. You see, I was really working with people more on, like, developing an additional income stream. We call it semi-absentee franchises. So if you think of, like, a Supercuts, you walk in, you're never going to find the owner there. They have a manager in place. And right. so they're managing the manager. And so I started off writing on uh, Quora, actually, because I had learned so much from Quora over the years. I'm like, let me start writing about franchising. And then became the number one writer worldwide for franchising on Quora. And uh, it's funny, one of my articles uh, was why a Chick-fil-A franchise only costs $10,000. Yes. And it ended up getting sent to like 40 million people. It's been featured in a couple articles. It was like a whole Sunday story for The Hustle. Um, wait, wait. And then on got that, to this point. On that, my my, yeah. my wife was talking about this, and I said... Marilyn, I'm I'm interviewing Kenny next week, and she's like, "What?" <laughs> she's like, "We should get a chick fil And I said, "We're not. You read the article. We're not. We're not employees, right?" But yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, and so I love it because it's like you know that's the stuff that people are aware of, and it's just it's so much more. It's so much better when you start diving further into it because you know that's what people really were introduced to franchising with is like, "Hey, there's all this food stuff," but you know, it's like starting a restaurant from scratch. If your friend came up and said, hey, I'm uh, running out of space and starting a restaurant, you'd be like, whoa, calm down. You know, do, what do you know about this? Like the industry's really hard. And, you know, food franchises, the, you know, often the highest startup costs, thinnest margins, most competition. And so I'm like, yeah, if you're going to go into franchising, why would you go into that industry? Right. Um, obviously, there's exceptions here and there. But, um, you know, so that was my start on Quora. And I started reaching out to journalists. Journalists reached out to me. And bet you got like, you know, I think I started off my first uh, news hit was I did like PBS of Minnesota and it was like a top 10 list. And then eventually I got on ABC and then Forbes and all these things. And then uh, I was talking to some writers from Business Insider and I thought I was just doing like, a, you know, giving them a quote for a story. And uh, it took like three months. And I'm like, man, how are you guys doing the story? They're like, oh, we're so excited. Like, this is gonna be huge. I'm like, yeah, what's it on? I'm like, you. I'm like, oh, I thought I was giving a quote. They're like, no, we're this whole story's on you. And so it was just like this huge like front page business insider story. And I was like, oh, wh- amazing. Wow. But, you know, th- you know, throughout all this time, I just got to this point where everyone's like, oh, I love the idea of owning a franchise, but I-, I don't have six or seven figures, or I can't leave my day job, or I'm not sure I have the right skill set. And that's really where franchise came up. I was like, you know, thinking like the financial advisor in me. I'm like, why don't you have like, you know, REITs, real estate investment trusts, where it's passive real estate investing? Like, why don't you have this for franchises? And then it just really evolved to become franchise. So I want to obviously talk 
I mean, most of this podcast will be talking about franchises and how it works. But when you say it's franchises are not just the food, um, you know, because that's definitely what people first think of. What in your mind mm-hmm. are like some of some of the more successful franchises? Honestly, it's all across the board. There's over four thousand different franchise brands across over a hundred different industries. So, for context, that's more franchises than there are. And there's different brands. There's more brands than there are stocks on the NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange. And so there's great ones and there's terrible ones, and they come in every industry. I, I tend to look at things that are more like recession resistant, like uh, hair care, automotive, fitness, um, home mm. services. Uh, th- these are a lot of things that are like recurring customers. And you know, despite how the economy is doing, they still come back for those services. You know, if you're in a recession, people are still getting haircuts, especially if there's job layoffs. They're going for cheaper haircuts. And then super cuts is, you know, welcoming with open arms. And same thing with cars and automotive. You know, less people are buying new cars, they're fixing the old ones. And so this is what I like to think about is like, what are things that keep repeating? They're more necessary services. They're not necessarily like fads or the flash in the pan type thing. And, uh, you know, they're just, it's not sexy businesses. They are successful businesses though. So that's what I try and look at. Okay. So now with Franshares, let's talk about how you're going and actually, you know, making these things where people might not have a couple hundred thousand dollars, but you're actually making it affordable to the rest of us. What, what's the Franchares model? Yeah. So the Franchares model is uh, kind of predicated on what people before me have done. So you've heard of like Fundrise and Masterworks. I know you had some of them on here recently. And, um, you know, it all started back in 2012. They started the Jobs Act, which allowed people because Kickstarter was really taking off, but you couldn't crowdfund into equity of companies. So the Jobs Act came along and you're able to now crowdfund into different companies or in this case, investment vehicles. So with Franchares, we are doing a pooled fund uh, for this first one. It's going to be locations all across the country in multiple industries, multiple locations, multiple brands. And so you can invest as little as $500 and you get access to a share of all these different franchise locations in the portfolio. And as the businesses are producing income, we pass that income on to the investors. So you get the appreciation in equity as well as that cash flow, the income that's coming back into your portfolio. Yeah. And so I know one of the first questions I had when I'm, when I was doing my research is, so when I go, I'm not investing in a franchise that someone, some other owner is putting onto your platform, right? Like you guys own and operate these different franchises, correct? Correct. Yeah. And honestly, this is taking a page out of the real estate model along with what I know about franchising. So in real estate, they've had these uh, you know, REITs, real estate investment trusts for years and years, yep. and they don't take other people's ones. They operate them themselves. That's how you make the most money. It's about vertical integration. Genius. And in the franchise world, if they are someone who's been very successful in the industry, they don't need your money. And so like, yeah, they can go to a bank and they say, oh, yeah, bank, I need more money. I want to expand. They, they'll just start shoveling it out to them. And then if they're not a successful franchisee, frankly, I don't want to be in the business of figuring out what they've done wrong and try and fix it. And it also kind of stems into we have this uh, mission for, you know, uh, social equality across the country, because, you know, there's you think about who works in franchise locations and you have a lot of people who come from underprivileged families, minorities, it's all across the board and they don't really have this upward mobility. They see it as I come in, I'm getting paid by the hour and then I get out. 
I want them to actually like have a mission going forward. And so it's kind of like just the Chick-fil-A model where you work in there and eventually you can become an owner. And the reason they do that is because Chick-fil-A finances it for them. I want to build this same ladder for all the employees for anything that Franchise owns is that, hey, if you want to work hard and own something, I want to be that person to get you there. And so I, I want people in five years to be like, hey, I own multiple locations. It's all thanks to Franchise and, uh, you know, and also the community that invests in it and is also customers of it as well. And when I go and invest, I'm not investing in just one. You said it's a portfolio of multiple franchises, right? So is it like I go 500 and you kind of sprinkle that across the the couple different companies? How does that work? Exactly. Diversification. It's uh, you can't put all your eggs in one basket ever. Just like, you know, when people say, how much should I invest in franchises? I'm like, hey, honestly, it's a diversified portfolio approach. Like when I look at companies like Fundrise and Masterworks and VinoVest, I'm uh, I'm not competing with them. We're all just partners in this. And so just like you diversify your portfolio, we diversify within franchising. And so you get uh, coverage within all these different locations. And so you'll get some of the things that have, you know, more consistent but less income mixed in with some of these high return service businesses. Right. And, um, you know, in the short term, we're going to do more of like across the country portfolio. But in the long term, we're going to do it much more on a local basis. So like I'm based in Chicago and I want to be that where I actually go and get my essential services, my haircut, my get my oil changed, my workout. I want to own part of that. And so I don't want to be just be contributing to other people. I want to contribute to my retirement. And when someone asks me, hey, where do I get a haircut? I'm going to say, oh, you come to this Supercuts because I'm a co-owner. Right. And so I want to be able to put that in every major city and really just every community. Bring investing more local but have that support that is the franchise industry. I love that idea of uh... – of yeah, having somewhere that you own a portion of and making it so the normal people can be like, yeah, hey, that's a that's a place down the street that I own. Oh, and also this coffee shop. Oh, okay, not food. This haircut place over here you should go to, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's really really cool. It's not just the local like community ownership aspect too. It's a two way street because it also makes all of your investments more profitable too. Like that's a big part of it. That it's pride and ownership. And yes, I own that. But also when everyone's there, instead of one franchise owner telling people, hey, you should come check out my local business, you literally have thousands of people who are going to refer over to that and also be customers of it. It's a built-in customer base. And so it's kind of like localizing your investment strategy and also just where you live. And, you know, it's a, it's a community. You should be able to like contribute to it and benefit from it. So you guys own and operate these franchises while also offering mm-hmm. them to a group of people, you know, the, the public that we can invest in. But in my mind, so right now, like what's going on? Are you, you have these businesses operating right now? Did you buy franchises to start? And so that, you know, like, how are you, you're, it's like you're starting up multiple businesses and then you're like, Hey, now, mm-hmm. now invest in them so they can grow. What's the practical side of, of how this is uh, getting off the ground right now? Yeah. So um, we're in the middle of our SEC registration process right now. So, you know, that's also a great thing about it is that you, know, you get this transparency. You're able to look up everything about, you know, us, the portfolio, everything. And um, as far as like these new locations, we're doing new locations for existing franchise brands. And so some of it we're actually outsourcing operations to so that we have uh, management companies that we've uh, assembled for operating this. And they've got decades and decades of experience running franchises. And so it's, you know, pay uh, uh, be able to have them who have been in the space before run it. 
And then some cases we'll put together our own brand new teams. And it really just depends on the industry and the franchise structure. Like some of these are service companies that only require like two or three employees per location. And, you know, they don't have a storefront, they don't have inventory. So it's a much simpler to run business. So just like for years, I've helped people find these like manager run businesses that you don't need to be super hands on. in. those are the type of business we're investing in as well. So that's something where we're really excited is that we have both internal and external partners. And down the road, we're going to be very heavy in the acquisition strategy too. You know, we've got a lot of uh, baby boomers that are looking to retire and, you know, they have to sell these large franchise groups. And we've already had a ton of them reach out to us. I I don't want to say who, but like some of these franchisees that have literally hundreds of locations are thinking about their succession plan. And they see us as like, not only something outside of private equity that would really care about what they've built, but also like we want to sell it back to the communities that they've served mm. and they really love that about it. And so, uh, yeah, we're excited for everything going forward with this. It, it's kind of crazy that no one else is doing this. I, I don't think, and maybe you're like, well, there's these other competitors, but you're the ones who are, who are making waves. And so I, uh, it, yeah, it blows my mind. Everyone loves to talk about all these kind of sweaty startup ideas and all this, um, but taking the franchise approach and letting people invest fractionally really seems under the radar. Yeah, I think it's because it's it's not a sexy industry and people want to think like what's super cool and innovative. I'm like, honestly, I got into franchising because like a lot of the ideas have already done. And I, I you know, I growing up, my dad's run businesses that were not the sexiest things, but very simple, like home remodeling right. or home repair. You know, everyone's heard about like, the family down the street that owns dry cleaners and car washes. Like this isn't sexy, but we talk about like, I want to own a business and be a part of the community and make good income. I mean, all these boxes get checked in franchising. People just have this head trash about it. it's a negative connotation as soon as they hear that F word. Right. And you know, part of what we're going to do a lot down the road is um, helping people get into franchises who are like, Hey, you know what? I'm sick of the corporate grind. I'd love to do something, especially people who come from like tech sales uh, you know, it's a group of people who are used to making good money, very entrepreneurial, great at sales. Like it's literally just checking boxes of who would be a great franchisee. And they would never think they're like, I'm not going behind the counter of McDonald's. But you say, hey, I could find you a home services business where you work directly with people or B2B service and uh, replace your six figure income. And all these things, they're just like, oh, that, that makes sense. Why don't people do it? I'm like, because you had head trash about franchising. And right. that's part of our strategy going down the road is that. You know, well, people who invest in the fund, eventually we're hoping to market to them about like, hey, do you want to own your own business? And then, oh, do you not have enough? We have this crowd of investors. We can actually provide you a loan. And so that'll be Franchere's debt offering in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And so much of it, I mean, interesting is like trusting and and almost investing in you and your team of like that you're going to find great people Mm -hmm. like that as you go and expand your business. Like you, you know, you guys finding good operators to, to make sure all this stuff is successful. Obviously talking to you, you seem like one of the, the biggest experts in the space. <laughs> well, I, building your team and all that kind of, you know, like, is that something that you guys are going to be advertising? And that I just feel like it's such a big part of the business. How does, how does that element work? Yeah. So definitely like after the first fund, uh, we'll be doing a lot more of that. And because again, we want to build out the proper infrastructure to support some of these, like people who are eventually going to be taking over these locations. And so we're excited, we're excited for it, but it's also that we want to plan properly. So first fund it's let's bring in this, these outside management teams to help us out. And then the future let's uh, do ones that are actually a part of the company themselves and that we're empowering to eventually become the owners themselves. Nice. And on the website, so 
these franchises, they're successful. Like you said, people come in and they're like, oh, I want to be, I want to own a franchise. And so then there is liquidation that could eventually happen, right? Like on a, one of these rally road or someone, something where people come and buy out these uh, assets. Same thing with franchises, correct? Like someone can come and actually buy out a franchise. Is that a, Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but you know, in case the SEC is listening, you know, uh, franchising and all alternative assets are illiquid. <laughs> and so, um, you know, uh, we have a couple different parts to uh, work with that because I looked up every alternative asset vehicle and I'm like, what do people hate about them? Number one is fees. Number two is illiquidity. And so uh, we have a couple parts there. One is that, yeah, uh, if you have 10 plus locations of something, private equity loves to come in and scoop them up. Mm. And so we want to pass on those, those buyouts to our investors and to ourselves as we're co-owners with them. And then... Um, other than that, we are also going to have a trade, um, a trading platform that's going to be launched uh, really quickly along with us. We're going to have a holding period about twelve to eighteen months because again, they're no new, way. they're new businesses, so you yeah. shouldn't just like sell them off right away. Like we're going to encourage everyone, like, hey, plan on holding this for five years, but I want that ability there for them because I know, I know stuff happens, and I want them to have access to that. And the technology is really caught up to it. Um, where people will be able to do that on the trading side. So and so, uh, yeah. And plus, down the road, we'll have much different uh, portfolios. You know, health and wellness, automotive, food portfolios. And so that way, you'll be able to exchange shares. Say, hey, I'm going to diversify some. So I made some money. Now let's start spreading it along into other portfolios. There. Yeah, and and I like the example you said that it's kind of like REITs, um, real estate investment trusts, right? Because my when you were talking, I was like, oh, okay, but what would a catalyst be, right? What would a catalyst be that would make those shares spike? But no, that's not the purpose. The purpose is to offer liquidity, but then also, you know, for a REIT, it's not like they get a big jump unless there's like some big macroeconomic trend on housing or something, right? But um, yeah, you're not looking for that like crazy spike return from something like that. Uh, it's honestly. Stable. Yeah, what, what I mentioned before is that it's about diversification, that you need these different segments in your portfolio. Because if everyone's just going for these boomer bust investments that are only spiking, you know, eventually you're flipping too many quarters. At some point, they're all going to come down the wrong way. And so what we really focus on is that we're long-term appreciation, but also income in your portfolio. Because income is something that is not talked about enough. It's Correct. how do you build these – people talk about side hustles. They talk about cool investments. They don't talk about them together. And so it's, you know, what are these investments that are going to build me another income stream and I can stack up income streams and not be worried about that main job anymore. And so right now, the main way, there's two main ways you get income in your portfolio. There's dividends from stocks and there is uh, real estate. Well, dividends from stocks are pretty rare and also not very consistent enough to trust. And, you know, the frequency isn't that, that often. And then real estate, I mean, I'm not sure if anyone's tried buying a house lately or read the news, but <laughs> real estate market is insane right now. I read something, it's like one in seven single family homes is now owned by institutional capital. And so, and then you've got like, you know, there's 30 plus different um, uh, crowdfunded real estate companies. There's REITs, there's every, everyone's fighting for the same deals, which means they cost a lot more yeah. versus franchising is this untouched category. That's uh, it's about three and a half percent of the U S GDP that no, no one's fighting over. And so I think we, we get in early, we get in uh, at the right time. And we also are able to offer this income because our buy-in prices are so much lower. And you know, again, it's just building these additional streams for people. 
Um, I know you kind of have to be sensitive talking about this stuff, SEC, Mother SEC, if you're <laughs> listening. Um, but so for someone who is brand new to this, right? If I invest $10,000 into franchise, is it, what is a range, we can keep this safe, a range of like a cash flow distribution that I could expect, um, invest, you know, that maybe to a scale that you would love to eventually get to? Yeah, so I'm going to call this the uh, the four corner rule. If it's not on the paper within those four corners, don't say it. But so here's something that is really great when you're talking about the franchise industry and we're able to show compared to other types of investments. Um, we're regulated by the Federal Trade Commission. And part of that regulation is every franchise has to have what's called a franchise disclosure document. So it's registered with the FTC and the, each state. And it says everything from here's who uh, started the franchise here's what all the costs are to get a location going. So like line item by line item. And an optional part is you can say what the average return is. Mm -hmm. And so I you know, only work with franchises that have those. So I'll tell you our first two brands that we're doing in our initial portfolio. Um, one's a food one. And I know I wasn't talking to IOM Food. These guys are amazing. And also it's what people know franchising for. So I want it there. But the average cost to start is somewhere around, um, and again, got to go through the uh, disclaimers and everything and uh, read through our disclosures. But uh, it's somewhere like three fifty to 500000 to start a location, and the average one nets one hundred and twenty-five annually. And that's the worst one. The better one is actually in the waste management field because I told you I love service businesses. And uh, average locations, wow. three fifty to 400000 and they're only five years old, but the average location nets 600000 And so, you know, you start – thinking about those two numbers blended and in an income distribution side, like I think we're going, this is going to blow everyone out of the water in my case. I just, I also hate like throwing like obscene numbers out there. So I like, that's why I like this is that it's all very transparent. You're able to see our, here's FTC disclosure. Here's SEC disclosure. Not like, I, I don't like the snake oil salesman. I, I'm very personal. I'm not a good salesman. I'm not a terrible closer. It's part of why I love owning business instead. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you, because uh, it sounds like I can dig it up. I don't know if like it's up there right now because you guys are in the approval process. Um, mm -hmm. But are you able to tell us what businesses you guys are offering? Like what that food restaurant is? Or is that yeah, you're, yeah. under the radar? This actually is, yeah, no, this actually is public information. Um, you know, it's also public for who wants to dig it up. I was uh, kind of keeping it close to the vest at first, but we're, we're ready for it now. Okay. Uh, the first one's called Teriyaki Madness. That's the food one. And the uh, founder, Michael Haith, he started, uh, man, a couple ones that he's also been able to exit. One was um, Maui Wowie Sandwiches. He grew that to like two or 300 locations, sold it off to private equity. Okay. And then he also uh, started Doc Popcorn, which again, grew to two or 300 locations, sold it to uh, Dippin' Dots actually. Whoa. And so they had a lot of uh, co-branded co stores there. And so guy's just absolute machine. And he kind of saw this void in the uh, Asian cuisine market. Because you think about it like, Tell, you tell me, who franchises in Asian cuisine right now? Oh, man. There's the one that's like owned by P.F. Chang's. That's um, that's really good. Uh, what's it called? Uh, there's I think it's Pickup Sticks. Pick up, uh, yeah, there's Pickup Sticks, Panda Express, and the one by P.F. Chang's is like smaller. That's good. But those are like the three off the yeah. top of my head. Yeah. Would, would you call any of those healthy? <laughs> no, trust me. I get way too much Panda yeah. Express, and my wife makes me know all the time oh. that it is not healthy. <laughs> Panda Express is near and dear to my heart, but it is fried to all hell. When you say it's near and dear to your heart, you mean because it's uh, it's slowly clogging it up. Yeah. 
<laughs> Ouch, that was a low blow, but I respect it. <laughs> um, yeah, versus uh, you, you look at teriyaki madness, they're fast, fresh teriyaki bowls, and there's no frying. Like the sauce is the least healthy part about it. But other than that, it's all fresh ingredients. And they've very quickly got like 300 locations open or in development right now. And again, you look at like their leadership there. It is just a amazing business. Um, but yeah, and then the other business, I, I really wanted to show people how wide ranging the franchise industry is. Because again, they think it's all about food. I want them to come in and they'll see food, but I want them to also understand the other side of the industry. And so uh, I wanted a great service business, repeat business, and something that's going to make people go, wow. They franchise that and wow, that's a great business. Yeah. And so um, this company, if you think about any apartment complex, business building, hospital, manufacturing site, distribution center, everyone's got dumpsters out back. Mm. And it costs a bunch of money to haul the dumpster off every time. And I've driven behind a dump truck before, super bad for the environment. Right. So this company is called Smash My Trash. They drive this giant rig up, smash everything down the dumpster. So you can keep filling it up again. Wow. Saves you 20% on the haul-off cost, and it's very good for the environment. And they're only five years old. They've sold like five or 600 locations in that span. And they, it is just amazing business. And it's all it's about community. It's about people. Like That's what both these are about. So I'm a huge fan of it. And I think the combination of the two is – I call it the TNT fund. The first one, it's uh, takeout and trash. Wow. <laughs> This is genius. So it literally brings like this. I, I just looked up the website. It brings this giant crusher and it, they come in and it basically rolls it over the top of your trash, just crushing it down so that you get more out of like your dumpster. That's what smash my trash. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. What a crazy. It's so business. simple. And so this is what I've helped people for years is that like, you know, again, people would come to me when I was uh, doing just the brokerage. They'd say like, hey, I want a McDonald's. And I'd be like, hey, no, you don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, why do you want a McDonald's? Oh, I've heard of it. I see lines. I'm like, yeah, honestly, like, no, no, no. Why do you want it? And like, why do you want to own a business? They're like, I want to make a good income. I want to be a part of the community. I want, and I'm like, there's so many other things besides the McDonald's. Like, let's find it for you. Right. And I like these weird businesses. Like, I've worked with everything you could imagine from, uh, I mean, there's, again, Hair care, automotive, fitness, all the way to weird stuff like custom tailored suits, clothing, recycling, sex shops that they have franchised, wow. uh, and trash. Like anything you can imagine, there's franchises for. And again, I, I don't want to be in the complicated, super competitive stuff. I want to be in the smart businesses with the good returns that are consistent. I can't imagine being you walking into every single little like small business. You're probably just like you're the guy that walks up to the owner and is like, have you ever thought of franchising? And they're like, uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> like your mind just has to be always moving whenever you go into any small restaurant or small business. Oh yeah. Well, just any business, you know? And it's also cause like I, I grew up around, like I, I got my first job at 11 or 12 years old. And so like, you know, I've seen a little bit of everything and, uh, yeah. So like I walk into these things and it's like, how do you improve processes? Why do people like this? Why do they come back? Right. And you know, sometimes it's just as easy as they're saving money. Sometimes it's because that food is so damn good. Right. Wow. Um, any idea when franchise, you know, that wait list might be opened up and uh, you guys might be officially. Yeah. If, if you're so um, we're going to open. Yeah, yeah. So we're going through that sec approval process. I'm ho hoping that we're a couple months away. And so we're going to open it up just to the people on the wait list, um, probably around November or December. Oh, and then after the new year, we're going to really open it up and start like we've got uh, 
2200 on our wait list. We've never spent any money on advertising. Like I've posted in two or three Facebook groups and messaged some people on LinkedIn. And so I'm excited once we start spending the money on marketing and really blow up that wait list because it, it is going to matter. Um, like our, it's funny, we get such a wide range of people. Um, we've seen everything from like your 18 to 24 year olds that want to do 500 bucks to a couple grand. All the way to your fifty-five plus that want to do a quarter million, three hundred thousand, five hundred thousand. Wow! And so it's really just because this is an area that no one has done, and uh, they really see the need to diversify, and that it's an industry that hasn't been touched by the by them yet. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. Oh, I'm really excited for that. You. Uh. You've sold me. I'm. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go dig into some of the the docs that you said, the SEC docs. I. Now I'm going to go to like, and be looking for all these random businesses that could be good franchises. Um, yeah. Anything else? You want to promote for the <laughs> there we go. Oh, I actually forgot one huge thing. Cause as great as this all is, we didn't talk about the fee structure. Whoa. The fee structure. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. Oh, and, and in my mind, I, 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 I want to bring this up. Right. When <laughs> I look at your website, I'm like, Oh, sweet. The fee structure. But for you, you're like, no, John, this is one of the biggest selling points of the whole thing. Talk about it, it uh, is. It really is. the fee structure or lack thereof. It, so the great thing is I, again, looked at all these companies that are doing fractional alternative investments. And number one fee that we saw, sorry, number number one problem that we saw is the fee structure. And people hate paying high fees. And I've seen this for years since I was at Merrill Lynch. They're like, wait, 1% assets under management fee. Like, why are you doing this? And so I wanted to see how could we get rid of the fees? How could we really be like an investment for the people? And, uh, you know, as I was looking into this, I love that I wasn't the first one to do it. Diversity Fund uh, came, uh, came across this way to do it, too. So we actually mm-hmm. partner on the funds with our investors. So we come in with the working capital and own 20% of the fund, of, you know, basically because our our contribution. And we also, from my experience in the brokerage side, we actually earn brokerage fees from the franchises themselves, not from our investors. Wow. So the equivalent would be if you're like a realtor and you're buying houses for yourself, and pocketing the uh, commission. So that's what we do is so that we get some upfront and we get our long-term is based on our performance with everyone else there too. Right. But then you get the benefit of like, Hey, the capital from the people come in from the masses come in so that you can keep growing that whole business there on that side. That's uh, that's really smart. And honestly, a lot of it's from like a position of defensibility too, is that like, again, there's 30 plus companies doing this for real estate. I want to be like, Hey, I'm coming first to market for franchising. I don't want like people are going to try and do this. If I take away their ability to undercut me, I think that's just like keeping an iron grip on our uh, number one place in the market forever. Right. (laughs) No. So smart. Um, this has been really awesome, Kenny. I'm, uh, yeah, genuinely we, we talk about sports cards and all these kind of weird assets sometimes. And it's like, why are we trying to get so weird when something like this is all right in front of you? Um, <laughs> the Twitter trolls are going to come for me on that one. Sports cards, not weird. You guys know what I mean. Um, but uh, yeah. yeah, the sweaty startup franchises. Um, I'm excited for you guys to open up. I'm on that wait list. I'm waiting. And if you, uh, for those Love listening, it, I'll, I'll pitch it for him here. If you go to the website, there's a lot more information on this, um, on Franchairs, how their model works. Uh, he actually breaks down, you know, like how, companies like trash companies and stuff could be you know really profitable and uh yeah if you guys want to check it out link is in the show notes 
For the lawyers in the back, a quick disclaimer. You understand that by listening to this podcast, you're not receiving financial advice. No content published here constitutes a recommendation that any particular security, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any specific person. You alone are solely responsible for determining whether an investment, security, or strategy, or any other product or service is appropriate or suitable for you based on your investment, objectives, and personal financial situation. Please speak with a financial advisor to understand if the risks inherent in trading are appropriate for you. Trade at your own risk. Bum, bum, bum.